Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you took a poll asking people to name their favorite Jesus story, the parable of the prodigal son would be a landslide winner. Greed, sibling rivalry, extreme parenting, love, hatred, compassion, jealousy, mercy, forgiveness, homelessness, homecoming, prostitution, and pork bellies, this earthly story chock full of spiritual meaning has it all. It's got everything except for a decent title because really no one knows what the word prodigal means anymore. <laughs> no. The best handle for this most loved story of Jesus, it really should be this, the parable of the unforgivable son, because that's what the story is really all about. Now, if you don't think I know what I'm talking about, just look at the two verses which immediately uh, precede the parable. And these are Luke's introduction verses. They become the frame in which Jesus will now paint his words. And they sound like this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Can you picture it? Two kinds of folks show up that day, probably in the temple courts, to hear the famous rabbi Jesus preach and teach. The haves and the have-nots. The religious elite and the religiously deleted. The obviously saved and the obviously damned. And you can guess which ones are the Pharisees and scribes. And those tax collectors and those, those sinners... Well, they were the unforgivable, and here's why. Tax collectors were Jews who openly and willingly rubbed shoulders with the hated Romans who were seen as being spiritually toxic. Any Jew having dealings with the Roman pagans, the Roman Gentiles, was condemned by the religious elite as being ceremonially unclean. Well, what did that mean? That Jew was not allowed to enter the temple courts anymore. That Jew was prevented from making sacrifices in the temple for their sins. No temple, no sacrifices, no sacrifices, no forgiveness by God, no forgiveness by God. Well, you get hell for that, don't you? The tax collectors were unforgivable. But they weren't alone. The scribes and the Pharisees, well, they'd throw just about anyone into the spiritual sin bin. Anyone who didn't strictly obey all of the Jewish rules on the side of the pool. Not Jewish, got leprosy, don't like to eat kosher, divorced, bad reputation, miss the Sabbath, skip the offering plate, no temple for you. No sacrifice for you, no forgiveness for you. And really what they're doing is this. Sorry, you can't approach God in the temple anymore, and that's where God is. 
you are unforgivable. And this idea of being unforgivable is what the parable is all about. All right, let's dig in now into the actual story, shall we? Three characters, of course. The father, well, who does he represent? You know, that's easy. God the father. But what about the youngest boy, the runaway boy? Who does he represent in the story? Well, he represents the tax collectors and the sinners. He represents you and me. And then lastly, there's the older brother, right? Whose likeness does Jesus paint with him? Well, the Pharisees and the scribes, yes, and you and me. Let's begin with the older brother. He gets left out a lot of times in sermons on the prodigal son. Okay, so let's start with, with him. Yep, he's just like the Pharisees and scribes, cold as ice. He doesn't welcome his baby bro home at all, does he? Won't look at him, won't party with him. He's written his brother off as worthless and unforgivable a long time ago. Just like the Pharisees and scribes, there's not an ounce of mercy or forgiveness in the older sibling. But pastor, you say, I'm not like that older brother at all. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. You, know, you are just like he is, and I am just like he is too. Because, you see, we all have what I like to call a little black book. And in my little black book are, are the names of people that I've written off and really placed no value uh, at all. Be because, you know, I I'm pretty sure they're going to go to hell anyway, right? I mean, they're unforgivable. Who's in my book? Well, certain politicians, I suppose. Celebrities. Sports stars. Aaron Rodgers is dead to me. He's an atheist, right? You know, oh yeah, they're all in my book. And they're in your book too. Maybe people from your past, people who slighted you or disrespected you. Hey, sorry, but the resemblance between the scribes and Pharisees and you and me, it's uncanny. Second character, that's the youngest, that prodigal boy, ran away to Vegas and maxed out all of dad's credit cards on X-rated stuff, felt bad, and came crawling back home with his tail between his legs. That boy, that son, and surely, pastor, you're not saying that I'm like that nasty runaway kid. Yep, yes, you are. So am I. Because consider the following, and I want you to forget about uh, the younger son's rap sheet, all right? Disrespected his father, demanded his inheritance while dad was still alive, abandoning, uh, abandoning his family, losing the cash, living like a pig, both figuratively uh, and literally. Do not focus on the individual crimes here. Instead, focus on the big crime, which was this. The youngest son broke his father's heart, leaving that youngest son to wonder, have I just made myself unforgivable? Have you ever done this? I mean, while you were growing up, did you ever break your dad's heart? 
Ever break your mom's heart by something you said, something you did? Now that you're older, have you ever broken your spouse's heart or your child's heart or your best friend's heart in the, in the same way? Leaving you to wonder, did I just break God's heart too? Because whether you sin against God or man, there is nothing more frightening than asking yourself, did I just make myself unforgivable? Now let's talk about the father in Jesus' story. My older brother, Tom, passed away a year ago yesterday. And Tom was always the rebel in the old Ludwig family. He left home for UW-Madison at the height of the Vietnam anti-war demonstrations in the middle of the radical 1960s. Left for college, UW-Madison, and we didn't see him for 10 years. He was a hippie, did drugs, smoked dope, finally hitchhiked his way out to Fort Collins, Colorado, where he drove a truck for a lumber company. Long beard, hair down to the back pockets of his blue jeans. He looked like Jesus. <laughs> That's what I thought back then, okay? But every once in a blue moon, there was a phone call, okay? You know, my parents would, would finally get in touch with him, and the conversation never varied. My dad would say, when are you coming home, Tom? We love you. We miss you. When are you coming home? No law. You know, no, how could you do this to your mother and me? How could you break our hearts? None of that, just gospel, just grace. We love you. Please come home. That's the father in the story and that's your heavenly father, too. Now let me share this. What I love most about the father in Christ's parable is this. This father whose heart has been broken, he makes the first move. As soon as he sees his son approaching, the father initiates the action, doesn't he? The father approaches his sinful son with compassion, Luke tells us, okay, and also with open arms. And I want you to see what Jesus is teaching here because it's masterful. Because remember, the Pharisees and scribes have been telling the tax collectors and sinners, you can't go into the temple anymore. You can't approach God anymore. You can't make a sacrifice for your sins anymore. You are unforgivable. But Jesus uses this parable to scream back at them and say, you don't have to go to the temple to approach God anymore because God is approaching you. He already has. Look at me. The Father sent me, and I am the Christ. I am Emmanuel, which means God is with you. Now, I will be the sacrifice for your sins. From now on, God will approach you through me because I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Huh. What do you think those tax collectors and sinners you know, were thinking as they listened to Christ's story that day? Okay, I know what they were thinking. They were saying to themselves, wow, I'm not unforgivable after all. And you people sitting here in God's house today in Hermantown, Minnesota, 
you should say the same thing. Have you ever, will you ever break God's heart? Yes, you have, and yes, you will. Sometimes you write people off as not being worthy of God's grace too. Sometimes, like the younger son, you're stubborn and you're selfish and you run away from God and you lose yourself in the sins of today's culture. Yes, you're pretty good at making God sad and I'm good at that too. But never forget this. Whenever you do break God's heart with your sins, You're simply providing an opening in that same divine heart for God's love to pour out and cover you because you are not unforgivable. When you sin, God will always approach you through his son. When you sin, God will always come through Jesus and say to you over and over again, I love you. Won't you please come home? Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.